0: How is it with your soul? Is it well? I'm glad to hear that. If it's not, I think we maybe have a message for you today that might help things out a little bit. We're going through the uh, Sermon on the Mount. We're back with Jesus. This, This conversation he went away to his solitary place to have with his... Disciples, And what happened when they got there was this huge crowd of people started gathering because they wanted to see the miracle worker. They wanted to see what Jesus would do. And so what follows after the Beatitudes is a sermon on the mountain. What he's essentially doing is not just telling the disciples what is expected of them. He's telling the whole crowd that's gathered, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be what we now call a Christian? What does it mean to be a disciple of his? So today... The section that we're at is chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Once again, Jesus does what He does so well, He's going to hit a lot of us right square between the eyes. He's going to talk about worry and anxiety. I'm not going to ask you if you ever worry. If I ask you to raise your hand, everybody's hand will go up, because we all do. Let's be honest. There may be some things that we talk about that don't pertain to all of us. This one does. So I want to start out and I want to challenge you to try something with me here. Go back to one year ago today, August 9th, 2019. I don't know where you were. don't know what you're doing. What was your biggest worry? You were probably worried about something that day. What was it? Eh, nobody remembers, do we? How about a month ago? Anybody remember a month ago what your biggest worry was? Last week? Yesterday? Maybe last night? See, here's the thing. We spend all of this time worrying and then it doesn't do us any good and we end up forgetting what we even worried about did your worrying help provide a solution or provide any productive end at all probably not did worry change anything no and yet we worry we worry a lot and in fact, it's such a part of who we are as people that Jesus takes time in his Sermon on the Mount to talk about worry specifically and addresses what it should look like in the life of a of a Christian. So here we go. Chapter six, starting at verse twenty five. Jesus now to his disciples, to this large gathered crowd. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not about life more than food and the whole and the, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? A- and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about your clothing? Second time in three verses, he talks about what we wear. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory wasn't arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what will we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the non-believers, the ones who don't believe in Jesus... The Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Interesting in that text that God uses forgettable things. Things that we don't really think about, things that we pass by all the time. How often when you're driving from here to there or even walking from here to there, do you pay attention to the insects unless they're mosquitoes or horseflies? How often do you pay attention to the grass or to the flowers or to the birds that are flying? How often do you pay attention to that? We don't. God uses the least of these. And he wants to make sure that we understand that if he's going to care for them, How much more is he going to care for us? See, what worry is, is when we deceive ourselves into believing that we're really in control of our lives. That's what worry is. Worry is is believing that you can actually change a situation or a circumstance by laying awake at night and thinking about it. Worry is this crazy indulgence that we have. And yet scripture reminds us that we're responsible for our words and our beliefs and our actions. But it is God who is ultimately in control. So you know what worry is? Worry is an effort to replace God, to do something when when there's really nothing that we can do. And, and so we worry thinking that somehow that's going to be able to bring about a good a conclusion. And so what happens in America? Well, we spend billions of dollars on anti-anxiety medications. We seek therapy. We develop addictions to drugs and alcohol just to numb the pain and to... To not have to worry, and yet it just causes more worry. And so to help you with that, and a reminder that, that God has the whole world in this hand, we're going to have a little bit of fun as we go this morning, because I, I think a lot of times we don't have fun enough when we gather for church. And so we've got these little uh, stress balls, worry balls, whatever you want to call them, in the shape of the globe. And every time I pull one of these out, you're going to help me out. You're going to bring the phrase from the old song. He's got the whole world in his hands. Come on. Like you mean it. He's got the whole. Thank you. And you're going to get better because every time we do that, I'm going to do that. And if it Jason's right there. See, we joke and we laugh about worry and stress because we know that it doesn't do anything. And we know that we all do it. And so what we do is we joke with our friends. Oh, man, I laid awake. I was so stressed out last night. I couldn't sleep. And so somehow being a part of an understanding worry crowd is actually going to bring about some sort of solution. And yet it doesn't. And yet we keep on worrying. And I can't imagine that any of you can actually say. All of that worrying that I did on that problem actually helped me in the end, because it doesn't. But in fact, worry is serious business. It can take years off of your life. It's such serious business that Jesus gives time in his Sermon on the Mount to talk about worry. It can take years off your life. Studies have shown that stress and anxiety, they end up doing nothing more at all than wasting our time and preventing us from doing something that might actually be productive, for example, praying. And yet we worry. As Christians, we worry. I found a study that proves the point pretty well. Here's what the average, pers- average person's worry or anxiety is focused on. Are you ready for this? Forty percent of the things that we worry about, forty percent, never happen. Never come to be anything. Forty percent are stuff that never, ever happens. But we know that he's got the whole world in his hands, so he's just wasted that 40% of worrying when God can take care of it on his own anyway. 30%? 30% of the things that we worry about are things from the past that it's too late to change. You can't do anything about them, and so it's better to know that he has... The whole world in We're getting it! Thank you! We're going to keep on rolling, because isn't this fun? Twelve percent of the things that we worry about are criticism or gossip that other people say about you that may or may not be true, but you can't do anything about it in the first place. Twelve percent of the time that you spend worrying, you're worrying about what other people say about you. Do you really care Do people who don't know you that don't say kind things? Does it really matter what they say to the people who do care? It doesn't. And yet 12% of our time, we worry about what people are saying about us when what we should be doing is realizing. Okay, we're getting there. This is good. We're having fun now. Oh, you're not supposed to duck. You're supposed to catch 10%. We say, ah, this one I have to do. I got to worry about this. I got to worry about my health. Yeah, this is happening or that's happening. I'm not sure about this. And you go to the Internet and you look up a thousand things that you could possibly have. And 10% of the time we worry about our health when really all that we need to do is go find out if if there's actually anything wrong. But that 10% of worry, along with all the other 90% of the worry, do you know what it does? It makes us sicker. It shortens our life. We worry about our health. And so what happens is that our health deteriorates when what we really should be focused on is. Thank you. Oh, I practice whole first service, so we're getting better at this. 8%. 8% of the time that you spend worrying is actually about something that you will face in the future. 8%. You worry for a 100 minutes. That's almost two hours. Eight of those minutes and only eight of those minutes have anything to do with anything that actually matters in your life at all. 8%. That means out of out of an hour, out of an hour, 53 minutes roughly are completely lost. If you lay awake at night worrying for an hour and you feel like I'm going to get something accomplished with this. Somehow it's going to be better. I'm going to be able to come up with a solution for this. That hour, eight minutes, you might be able to accomplish something that actually has a meaningful solution or resolution. When you could realize, thank you. Thank you. There are not very many catches that have happened today, so I feel better about that. Here's a tough bit of truth for you. There's a guy named Dr. Stanley Jones, John Hopkins University. He said this, we don't know why it is that worriers die sooner than non-worriers, but it is a fact. A medical doctor says we don't know what the reason is, but we do know that people who worry live shorter lives than people who do not worry. So right there, off the, right off the top, You want to live a little bit longer? Quit worrying. But then we can look at Scripture and say, that makes sense. The Bible tells us that we're created by God to be people of faith. We weren't created by God to be people who worry. We were created to have faith in and a relationship with God. See, that's the normal in God's creation. Normal is relationship with Him. Where we take those things that we worry about, the stuff that we're concerned over, the stuff that we lay awake at night just stressing and sweating over. What am I going to do? But we say, God, I can't fix this, but you can. There's nothing I can do about it, God, but you know what? You can do it, and I'm going to trust that whatever you do is going to be good. It's going to be for your glory, and and somehow it's going to be the right thing for me. And then you can take the rest of that 53 minutes and sleep. And yet, it sounds good. It's right. And yet what we do is we worry. Faith is the standard of normal for God's children. Worry and fear are not of God. And we just have to come to terms with that. That We say, I've got every right to worry. This is important. I should worry about it. It's called justifying. It means I'm just not going to listen to God. Why would we worry when... Thank you. That was like the guy at the baseball field that just sneaks out. And there it is. So worry and fear are completely opposite of God's normal. Worry and fear are not how you were created. It wasn't how you were created to think. In fact, they're completely opposite of faith. When we worry, we're living contrary to the way that God created us. God created us to be in a relationship with him where we put our trust in him. If we've got a care or concern, we bring it to him. So when you lose sleep, when you worry, it's because sleep is normal and worry is not normal. You can't worry and sleep because those two don't go together. So you want to sleep better? Stop worrying. Stop worrying. If you don't need the sleep, well, I guess you can continue to worry. When we choose to worry, we choose to live contrary to normal that God created us for, and a loss of sleep naturally follows. Psalm 125 says, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. We were created, we were created to live in the light of Jesus, and under the watchful eye and protection of God, when, when we need a time of rest, God is our shade. We talk about worry being man, things are really heating up. That's why it makes sense that God would be our shade. You know what? Give it to God and, and, and get out of the get out of the heat. Worry is our enemy in every single way. Satan uses worry as the darkness that crowds the light of Jesus out of our heart. Because I tell you what, when you're caught up in worrying, even if you throw out the nine one one prayer, your relationship with God is struggling. Because what you're doing is you're saying you're putting Trust in what you can do about a situation by thinking about it ahead of what God can do by praying about it. Worry is the opposite of faith. To to worry is to put your trust in the unreal, the unpleasant, the unknowable. What worry is, and and this is going to strike you a little bit harshly, worry is to listen to the voice of the devil in your ear more than to trust the promises of God in his word. When you believe that you can solve something by worrying, you're letting the devil get a hold of your ear and that's the voice you're listening to when in reality we need to give it to God and trust in His promises. And that's hard for us because we don't think about that all the time. Worry is to listen to the the voice of the enemy of God, our enemy, the enemy that wants to take life away from us. There's a reason that when the angels appear in Scripture, every time an angel shows up to a person, I mean, here's this bright being that doesn't, You don't encounter on the street all the time. And they show up. What's the very first thing the angels say? Fear not. not. You know why? Because you're not supposed to be afraid. God is there in the present. The angel is there speaking for God. God is there with us all the time. Fear not is the first word because you're not created to be a person of fear. God's got your problems under control and the angels speak for God. Fear not. Why? Because God. Okay, you're kind of you're kind of you weren't ready for that. Because God, with commitment. Thank you. How far do they go? Right about there. Worry is a self-paralyzing exercise in futility. When you worry, it consumes our mind. There's nothing else that we can do. We, we can't get out of our own head enough to make breakfast. Breakfast. Worry is a self-paralyzing exercise in futility. There's nothing good, helpful, or productive that comes from worrying, period. Worry is important enough that Jesus takes time in the Sermon of the Mount to talk about worry. But you know what? He doesn't start there because he starts with normal. He gets to where we have a problem with normal, where, where we interject ourselves into normal. You know where Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount? Teaching on prayer. Because prayer, that relationship with God, living our relationship through prayer is what's normal. That's where Jesus starts with how to pray. And so now we know the Lord's prayer and he starts making sure that we're clear that God is the one that we're praying to. That God our Heavenly Father and and God is holy. Start putting the world in the right order. Start where it begins with the Creator. Later, Jesus goes on in, in the prayer. He reminds us to pray for our daily bread. Not, not our weekly bread or our monthly bread or not your 401k or your retirement plan. Not any of that. Just what you need for the moment, what you need for today. He's simply saying, you know what? Just ask God and be grateful that God provides what you need as you need it. We're people that like to plan ahead. We like to know what's going on. We like to gather up all our information. And all of that leads to worry. We're told not to pray for anything more than our daily bread. We're not supposed to pray for our monthly salary. I I don't think God is opposed to us bringing concerns about our work and income. I'm not saying that. I'm saying all that stuff can lead to worry. Then we trust God will provide for our needs, and then we believe it. And, And we don't just talk about it to say the right words. We live it. We let go and we live it because we know that. Thank you. Then Jesus goes on and he talks about fasting. Fasting is where we set aside the things that we want and we focus on God. And we talk about it as food a lot. But you know what? For a lot of people, they find fasting from other things to be very significant. Because when you would rather go be and do or watch or look at or be a part of or whatever it is or eat, the thing that you're fasting from, the idea is that we we turn our attention On God, and rather than worrying about what we don't have, what we do is we focus on what we do have, and that's a living relationship with God. From there, he talks about treasure and how our treasure is the thing that holds our hearts. And he's making this progression, and all of this Sermon on the Mount ties together so beautifully because Jesus knows how we think, he knows what we focus on, he knows what we worry about. You you, you heard about where your treasure is, there your heart is also. We we overlook that notion of treasure so much because we think I earned it, I get to keep it. I earned it, it's mine, I get to decide what to do about it. You know, the fact of the matter is when we put things in the right order, the right heavenly order, your treasure belongs to God, not to you. Your treasure isn't yours, you're just the custodian, you're the steward. It's passing through your hands and on to somebody else's. When we're clear in God's rightful place and we put the things of this life in the right order, everything begins to make a lot more sense. And you know what we feel? We realize that the stuff we worry about can start to go away because there's nothing we can do about it anyway. God had a plan for this a long time ago. What Jesus is really telling us in this Sermon on the Mount is very simply to put all of our faith, all of our trust, all of our cares on God because there's very little we can do about it in the first place. And God's already got it all under control. We might be able to build a treasure here on earth. You might be able to build a a big retirement plan. But you know what? You're never going to take it with you to heaven. You, You can't make sure if it's going to be safe. And unfortunately, you can't even guarantee your health. What we can do is take an eternal view of things and realize that everything in this life is in God's hands. God's in control. So I've repeated this phrase. If you've been around me much, you've heard me say this. And I thank my dear friend Richard for it. Simply this. If you're a note taker, write this down. If you're going to worry, don't pray. If you're going to pray, don't worry. Simple as that. Think about it. What are you really trusting in? If you're going to pray, don't worry. But if you're going to worry, don't pray. Because? Prayer is to put our our trust and our hope and our faith in God. Worry is to take it all away and keep it ourselves. And, And so essentially... It's a matter of where do we put our trust in? Who do we really believe in? Who do we think can really take care of or dress or resolve a situation? See, worry is nothing more than an illusion. It's a doubt. It's cast into our mind by the enemy of God. Worry is one of Satan's highly successful tools to keep individual Christians from truly and fully knowing a relationship in God and through Jesus and knowing God's provision because we keep it on ourselves. And so here's the reality, folks. Think about this in your life. When you worry, you're assuming that you can fix something on your own. That's what worry does. Worry sets your mind spinning, figuring out, how am I going to take care of this? How am I going to fix it? How am I going to fix them? How am I going to resolve it? How am I going to not get any sicker? How am I, how am I, how am I? Prayer is to say, God, I can't, but I know that you can. So if you're going to worry, don't bother praying, because quite frankly, what you're doing is this. You're saying, God, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to take care of it on my own. Do God the honor and the respect of saying, God, you can do infinitely more with this situation than I'll ever be able to. So rather than me worrying about it, I'm just going to give it to you and let you take care of it. But we have a hard time with that because even when we pray, we think somehow or another we're the ones that have to do something. And really all that we have to do is to trust and believe that... Having fun with this yet? Huh? Yeah? Over the top? Yes. That's a first. Ooh, wow. Bounce, bounce, bounce. Look to the corner. See, Satan uses worry to get in our heads. Sa- Satan uses worry, and the whole idea that worry doesn't get, doesn't, uh, that it does some good is, is to get in ahead and get, get in control of our lives and the world around us, because we're not in control of any of that stuff. We just sang a song, and it, it had the reminder that it is well with my soul. Do you know why it's well with your soul? For those of you that said, yeah, my soul is well. That's because you've got some trust and some confidence and you know that somehow or another, no matter what you're facing, what the situation is in your life, God's got you in control. Even if it it brings around the end of your life, there's nothing to fear because God's got it in control. If it's not well with your soul, I can tell you why. Because you're trying to worry well more than to love God well. worrying gets us to believe that we can take care of it ourselves. That song said the sound of his voice can throw the mountain into the sea. See, I believe that's true because God is the one whose voice created the mountains and the seas. And if God decides that there's a mountain that's been there for however long it was since he created it and he wants it in the ocean now, God can do that by simply speaking the word. Imagine what he can do in your life. He's taking care of the sparrows and the lilies and the grass. Imagine how well he wants to take care of you. I read once that worry is fear's empty extravagance. Fear is nothing more than Satan's voice fueling our waste of time. It's a strong statement, but sin is anything that comes between us and a relationship with God, and worry does just that. Worry has us believing that somehow or another we can do more or do faster or do better than what God can do. Worry does that stuff in a way that, like other sins, we excuse it as being necessary or that we can't help it or or even better that it's right or it's justified, right? That's, That's a lie of the devil that he places in our heads to keep you from a relationship with your creator. Worry isn't going to solve anything. But you know what? God... God's already got it all in his hands. And so why do we worry? We worry because somehow or another Satan gets us to believe that that time spent is well invested. So I want to think for a moment. I want to, I want to get you to look at this in a different way. I, I, I got a picture here. A fog. It's fog from the driver's seat of a car. You've all, If you've driven in a vehicle, you've been in that situation. Fog that is so thick, that's so heavy, that is so dark. It's the kind of fog that it doesn't matter whether you've got your brights or your dims or whatever it is. You just can't see ahead. It is that thick. It's the kind of fog that you're hoping the people that are coming at you in the other lane know what they're doing because you're not quite sure you know where you are. It's the kind of fog that has you want to pull off on the fog lane, but you don't do it because you're afraid the people coming up behind you aren't going to see you and you're going to be in an accident. It's the kind of fog that scares you to be on the road. You just want to be at home sitting in a chair, relaxing on your couch, watching television, pretending it isn't even there. The kind of fog that is so dark and so ominous and so frightening, you're just not sure what to do. That's worry. That's worry. But you know, that fog, fog that covers a quarter square mile, imagine, excuse me, a half mile, square half mile, by a hundred feet. That's a big area. That much fog that you can't even see through has got no more water in it, which is what makes up fog. No more water in it than one glass of water. Sixty billion droplets spread out over half a mile each way and a hundred feet tall. One glass of water. Now, Now, in your better moments, have you ever been afraid of a glass of water? And yet it presents itself to us in such a way that it just kind of stops life. I mean, it brings traffic to a halt. Silences the city. It causes chaos on the roads. It can ground an airplane. It can, it can bring an airport to a halt. And it's got this ominous feeling of just doom and gloom and darkness over an otherwise perfect day. That's worry. There's very little substance to worry. Eight percent or less. And that fog that seems like it's just going to be the end of you is one glass of water spread into 60 billion little drops, spread out over half a mile by half a mile by 100 feet. And that's worry. Worry is very little substance that gives the appearance of an insurmountable obstacle. And Satan gets into your ear going, you know what, you better worry about this. You better spend some time thinking about it. You better get stressed out over it. And that fog gets darker and darker. But you know what, if you've ever taken off from an airplane on a bad day, where it's raining or it's foggy or the weather's not very nice, you know, you take off and you're really glad you're not the one flying the plane, right? And you get over that stuff and suddenly you get above the clouds and you look out the window and what do you see? The sun. Now, you just left a rainstorm, clouds, fog, whatever it was. But you get up 100 feet or a mile or whatever it is. And when you lift your sights above the fog, what you see is the sun. And defeating worry is the same thing. We just have to focus on the sun. You've got to have a different perspective, a godly perspective, that really what you're worrying about is nothing more than a glass of water. And it's a glass of water that God is already aware of and already has in his hands. And so take what would be worry and turn it into prayer, turn it into a conversation with God, because at the end of the day, there's really not very much that you can do about it anyway. And so what we need to do is have a higher perspective. We need to have a a perspective that looks to the son, the son of God, a more godly perspective, because God. Thank you. That was a direct throw right there. Oh, and it's rolling here. Thank you. So then I can't avoid what's going on in the reality of our world right now. This is not unlike the panic that we're being told to feel over COVID. Not a political statement at all. In fact, it's the opposite of it. COVID-19 is a real virus. It's going all over the world. It seems that we know less about it than we know more about it. It's real. Of course it is. Is it the black plague of our time? No, it's not not even kind of, but we've been thrown into this state of fear, this, this state of panic because we don't know who to believe, we don't know who to trust, we don't know what's real and what isn't, and what it's causing is an entire nation and the better part of the world to worry about things that you really can't do much of anything about. Bible says, when it's your time, it's your time. That isn't that we take that flippantly, that isn't that we dismiss what we've been told as wise and, and prudent information about it. But what happens instead is that that people start worrying and we start having opinions and we start believing this and that and the other thing. And before you know it, we're worried, we're anxious, we're angry. And so if you want a little bit of peace, do what I did this week. Go to whatever you get your information from, whatever source you believe you can trust, and look up numbers of the 2009 H1N1 virus and look up the 2020 COVID-19 virus and just compare the numbers. Lift yourself above the cloud a little bit and say, now, how do I get through this thing without being caught in the hysteria? Is it the Black Plague? No. Are people really getting sick? Yes, they are. Are some of them dying? Yes. Unfortunately, they are. But the thing that doesn't change is that he's... Amen to that. Am I right? There's a lady named Mary Crawley. I have no idea what she, who she is, but she had a quote, and I absolutely love it. Here it is. Every evening I turn worries over to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you raising your hand in your mind have sat up at night worrying about something? Did you or did you not realize that God was already awake and would have been happy to take those cares so you could get a good night's sleep? Because what God designed you for was a good night's sleep to take care of the things that tomorrow was going to bring. God didn't design you to lay awake all night worrying, trying to solve a problem that you're never going to be able to fix. Every evening I turn over worries to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. When you understand worry as a sin and not as your right, you can leave worry at the foot of the cross with the rest of our sins and thank Jesus that we can walk away from the worry and we can go on living the life in Him that God created us and called us to live. Chuck Swindoll said, why worry when you can trust? Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do but doesn't get you anywhere. Worry pulls tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine. You need to focus on the Son, and I don't mean S-U-N, I mean S-O-N. The Son of God, Jesus, your Savior and Redeemer. It's through Him that we can pray that we go to God. Instead, what we do, we, we sit in a rocking chair of worry, we end up doing nothing, and we allow ourselves to be enveloped by a worry fog. So what good is it do to worry? What it does is it squanders the opportunity and the time that God has given you today for the fear of what might never become a reality tomorrow. Worry squanders the opportunities that God's given you today for fear of what might never become a reality tomorrow. I'll tell you what, uh, this, the team, the staff, the volunteers, the elders of the Open Door Christian Church have been working for five months not knowing what tomorrow brings. We don't know what the next mandate from our governor is going to be. We don't know what the next spike in test results is going to be. We don't know what it means. But we know that we have been called to be the voice of Jesus to the world around us. We know that our job is to continue to be the church and to give you a place to connect to the church, to connect to the body of Christ, because we need to be connected. We need to be involved. We could have spent five months worrying, but we didn't. We've spent five months praying and doing. And, you know, everything we've done hasn't been the right thing. It hasn't all worked. Some of the ideas have been awesome and they've gone really well. And some of them, you know what? They were great efforts that just didn't become what we thought, because oftentimes we end up facing something by the time Sunday morning comes that we didn't know was real Monday. Do you know the very first Sunday that we had to do worship and it ended up being that we couldn't have anyone here and we had nine people that were here and it was online. That was the beginning of the move to online in March. Do you know that we had four different plans for Sunday morning over six days? That's how fast things were changing. None of our staff sat around and worried. None of our volunteers just sat around worrying, wondering what was going to happen. You know what? People just went to work. We prayed and and, and we just kept being the church because that's what God's called us to be. You can worry, but it isn't going to get you anywhere. And what I know for me about worry is worry is a reality check. It's a reality check of where my faith is at, because when my faith is running strong. And I bet you this is for you, too. When your faith is running strong, you don't worry. You don't worry because you know that God has got it in control. You don't like the situation you're facing. But, you know, thank you, God, for what this is. I don't like it. I wish it was different, but I know you're in control. And so I thank you for that. You're not worrying about it. You're just praying about it. But when you start worrying with those moments when your faith gets shaky and fear starts to run away with us and worry overtakes our thinking. Satan uses worry as a voice that clouds everything. Everything we know about God and about God's, God's voice and God's promises. And what ends up happening is Satan uses worry to hide God's face from us by our fear. And we're the ones that choose it. We're the ones that are willing to let that happen. When what we need to remember is he's got the whole world in his hand and that includes you. The stuff that you worry about God already knows. The stuff that gives you sleepless anxiety over God already knows. And all he's doing is saying, come and talk to me about it. You know, you don't have to carry this on your own. You, you weren't created that way. You weren't designed to do that. He's got the whole world in his hands. Whoa, deflection. I planned that. No, I didn't. Jesus said that he came that we might have life and have it to the fullest. Worry, listening to Satan's voice, takes away that life. Worry is the death of that life in Jesus. Worry is to choose the fears and the fuel of Satan over life and love in Jesus. To worry is to choose the voice of the devil over the voice of God and to trust in Satan's warnings and danger and death more than to trust in the promises of God. It's a tough word, but it's true. So if you feel like worrying, stop praying. Do God the courtesy of stop praying. But if you're going to pray, do God the honor of stop worrying. Because God will take care of it. When you're ready to turn your troubles over to the only one who can do anything about them, then start praying and stop worrying. And in the end, there's a very simple solution for us as Christians. And it's just this. Who are you going to trust? Boil it down most simply. Are you going to trust the voice of Satan who's going to tell you worry is the only thing that's going to do you any good? Are you going to trust the voice in your head that says, I better worry because I've got to come up with a solution? Or are you going to trust... The promises of an unchanging God who has told you how much He loves you and you're going to turn your worry over to Him. The one who wants you separated from God or the God who created, loves, and sustains you. Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to trust? As a Christian, trust in God and pray. And stop worrying. Let's pray. God, this is a tough one. It's easy to talk about. But it's hard to do. Help us to be Christians, God. Help us to be disciples. Help us to believe in you enough that we stop worrying. That we realize what we can change and what we cannot, what we can affect and what we cannot affect, what we can do that is positive in the world and what we do that is just taking up our time and doesn't take us anywhere. God, you didn't design us. You didn't create us to be people who worry. You created us to be people in relationship with you. And so, God, I just know there's people here this morning that are just being overtaken by worry and anxiety, and it could be about so many different things. God, I pray that they would be open to your Holy Spirit. Maybe they don't even have a relationship with you. Maybe they're tired. They're weary of worrying. Maybe all they know is worry and anxiety and and unhealthy ways of dealing with it. God, if there's anybody like that here this morning, I just pray that they would reach out to you. That they would open their heart and lay down their life to you. That they would accept you and just say, Jesus, be my Savior. I want you to be the one that takes care of all this because all my worrying isn't doing me any good. And God, we know that it's only through your Holy Spirit that any of that comes to be in any one of us. God, through your Holy Spirit, strengthen our faith. Make us not people who worry, but people who come to you in prayer and then trust In what it is that you will do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, in all fairness, you've got the right to worry. I'm not going to take that away from you, but understand, worry is your right to a rebellion of who God created you to be and the gift that He offers you in Jesus. Do you really want to worry? I don't think so. Worry is not essential to our life. Jesus is essential. So one of the things years and years ago that kept me from from being able to say, yep yeah, I'm going to jump head in head first into being a pastor is church. For me, wasn't always fun growing up. I, I didn't understand why Christians, for all the we talk about joy and happiness, didn't seem to be a particularly happy group of people all the time everywhere I went. And so I, I think around here, why can't we have fun in church and and bring some joy to it? Because at the end of the day, isn't this where we talk about and worship the source of our joy? Can I get an Amen.